Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. If you want to stand up, we'll pray and we'll sing. Thank you, Father, for this morning, uh, for this uh, beautiful couple days we've had. Just uh, pray you be with everybody here and work, families, life, everything that's going on. Just uh, amidst the chaos, keep us focused on you. Because you are constant, you are always strong, and you are always there with us. So we praise you, we love you for that. And just as we hear your word today, just let us be open to it, to receiving it, to growing from it. Love you, we praise you. Amen. good you are good when there's nothing good in me you are love you are love on display for all to see you are light you are light when the darkness closes in you are hope you are hope you have covered all my sins you are peace, you are peace, 
fear is crippling you are true you are true even in my wandering you are joy you are joy you're the reason that i sing you are life you are life in you death has lost its sting and oh i'm running to your arms i'm running to your arms the riches of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever
Good morning. Good morning. Leave that there. Let's try a little something today. I'm going to say God is good. You're going to say all the time. I'll say all the time. You guys say God is good. All right. God is good. All the time. All right. Now we've got some announcements here this morning. You guys can have a seat. If you guys are on the fence about uh, maybe volunteering um, with the youth, Tonight's a great opportunity. At 4 o'clock, we'll be at the Corn Maze. Um, it is for all FCC families. You know, come out, have some fun, get lost in the maze. Um, there, there is a phone number to call. If you do get lost, they'll come find you. Um, but we'll have some fun. Um, the next one is Trail of Treats. Um, in the box, we have a, in the back, we have a box to, uh, for donations of candy. Um, donations before... October 18th, the Trail of Treats is October 24th. Um, if you have any questions, contact me or Brittany. Next one is, again, we're looking for volunteers to help out Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Um, Sunday evenings is about the high schoolers and junior hires. Um, so if you're interested, contact me or Brittany and, um, at the office and we'll point you in the right direction. And next one is Operation Christmas Child Boxes. They are out in the, what it was, the cafe, the uh, front of the church there. Um, donations to help with shipping is $9. Fill a box for a kid in need. Um, you know, there's probably going to be a lot of kids in needs this year. So um, I think that's it. And at this time, we'll have the kids go downstairs. We'll meet you in the back. Well, it's good to hear the sound of kids in the church again. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, that is a sound of life and vitality and uh, even the future of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm so glad that uh, we're kind of getting back online with a lot of these things. And uh, the kids program is something that uh, has been heavy on our hearts for a good, a good while, and now that the kids are meeting downstairs and we're able to do that, uh, it's good to see uh, that part of our church come back to life again. There are other parts of the church that we're wanting to see come back to life in whatever way that God calls them to, calls us to be the body uh, in this moment that we're in, and uh, it is, uh, it is a privilege to be able to uh, be with the elders and explore what it means to be uh, the church, what the fundamentals of the faith are, what the foundation is of why we do what we do. And last week, uh, we went into a passage of scripture that talks about uh, what the church was in the book of Acts at the very beginning and how our identity is shaped by that. And we're going to get into that in just a minute. Um, and before we do, though, I just want to take this moment and sanctify it in the Lord. And uh, before I do that, I just want to welcome everybody who's able to join us online. Uh, hopefully, uh, God is at work in all the lives here and uh, those in spirit, and hopefully through the word as is proclaimed as well. So would you bow with me, please? Father, we are grateful that as we come into this place, there is something different about being a follower of your son. 
the joy that we find in the midst of whatever circumstances that can only be sourced from you uh, that we discover as we surrender our lives to you and you in turn fill that space of surrender with your presence and your peace. But we also know, Father, that despite that, you have shared with us through your son that in this world we would have trouble, but we take comfort in knowing that your son has overcome the world. And so it is in you, Lord Jesus, that we trust in a season like this more than any other authority or governing body or any view of life. Simply you, Lord Jesus, in your person as the Son of God, but also one who became one of us to relate to everything that we go through in ways that make us trust you, Lord. So we bring our lives to you, our hearts, our minds, our troubles, our challenges, and we ask, Father, that we would have the enabling presence of your Spirit to help us in all of them. And as we take your word and we allow it to shape us and our understanding of the world around us, I pray that it would be living and active in every heart here. And so we just give this time to you, trusting you will work in the mighty way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, this morning as we gather, um, I know that uh, wearing a mask is something that is part of what we do. And of course, I, I can't wear a mask and project very well, uh, making sure my mic is on so you guys are hearing me. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, most of the places that I go, I find that, that um, I'm, I'm wearing one. Uh, but typically, my routine will be this. I will go to a place like Tractor Supply or Giant Eagle. I'll get right inside the door, and I'll be like, oh, guess what I forgot? And then my next action is I want to see if they have, you know, a complimentary mask. And about half the places do, and I can proceed, but most of the time it's a trip all the way back out to the car and back in. It's supposed to be a quick trip, but we don't make quick trips anymore. And so you put your mask on, and then you go and you carry on with your business, and the thing that I've noticed when I'm talking to people that I'm not really that familiar with or they don't know me is that the only thing that they can see are my eyeballs. They can't see my mouth. And for some people who are hearing challenged, uh, sometimes, you know, they read lips so that they can kind of get the full uh, uh, sense of what's being said. Uh, for other people, you know, they're used to seeing your smile or your grimace or whatever. Um, so what I've noticed, and ha have you noticed this? that when you're talking to people with your mask on, you get a different response. It's like, uh, you normally don't respond when I say this this way when I have my mask off. So it's like we're trying to fill in that space that uh, we, can't, we can't see with our, own, with our own ideas of what's being said because communication is um, just as much about expressions as it is about words that flow out of our mouths and we know <laughs> just just try texting somebody something that could go either yeah that's really great or I can't believe that you said that you ever had that happen so we know that um, all of the gestures that we use play a role and yet the mass sometimes hides that and that really does bring me to what I wanted to look at today as we read from 
uh, that wonderful passage in the book of Acts describing the early church as we're asking the question, how do we be the church in the midst of everything that's going on that's swirling around us? How do we not lose our sense of identity? And if we can be the church, then we can be who we need to be in Christ. And if we can be who we need to be in Christ, we can, well, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. So if we take a look at Acts chapter 2, and you're welcome to look in your Bible if you like, but I'm, I'm really going to zoom in on one word in this, um, in, in, in this reading, uh, but just take a look. When the early church gathered, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, that is the Bible, and to fellowship, that is gathering like we do and in groups, <coughs> to the breaking of bread, that is communion, the covenant meal that we enjoy, and to prayer. And that basically is what the early church did. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles, and all the believers were together and had everything in common. Then we go on to read, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And if, if I could just, if I had the ability to circle a couple of words on there, uh, the first one would be glad, and the second one would be sincere. And those words right there, I think, are sort of the attitudinal side of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I would assume that uh, when people gathered for worship and they saw people around them glad and they saw people around them sincere, that had an attractive quality. But have you ever gone to church where everybody just has a scowl on their face? You're sitting in my pew. Or, you know, I don't know what, what it would ups be to, you know, kind of project that negativity. But I think we've all been in those places where we're like, this really doesn't seem to have the same attitude or spirit that we read in Scripture. And there's something about going to a church where people are glad. They're glad you're here. They're glad to be here. They're glad that despite everything that's happening, God is still reigning on his throne. And we know that at the end of the day, no matter what happens, and I, and I truly believe this as a Christian, that no matter what happens, God's going to watch out for us. God's going to help us. God's got our back. I'm not saying we're going to not have trials, but at the end of the day, we may look back and say, you know what? God, in that way that only he can work this together for good. And if you see that happen enough, no matter what comes your way, if you trust that God is working in the circumstances, then I can assure you the promise is he's working in your difficult season together for good when that's revealed is based on his purposes and his timetable and you have to trust the process as much as you trust him and if God is working things together for good that means we at the end of the day don't have too much to worry about we don't have to feel too threatened even though there are threatening things happening we don't really even have to feel that insecure because our security is in him and when you read that passage of scripture, it wasn't like 
everybody started going to church and life was good and it was just a happy day all across the country. Now people were going to church and when they met in the temple, it was pretty icy. There were religious leaders saying, they're meeting in the name of Jesus and we're not too happy about it. There were Romans who were saying, they're calling Jesus Lord and Caesar is supposed to be Lord. Yet for some strange reason, there was a growing appeal in the midst of their own very oppressive set of circumstances. People were saying, I see something in the lives of those people, and I want to be a part of that. Because I've been a part of that for so long, I'm not interested in that anymore. I want what the Lord has. Now, when you read Acts 2, last week I shared that you can't really fully appreciate what that experience was for that group of people until you look at what Jesus did with the group of people that he called, the 12 especially. For three years, he just called a random and I would say very controversial mix of people to follow him. And when they decided that he was the way, they set things aside and they followed him. And over time, he taught them how to be a healthy, godly group of people that related to one another in ways that had less strife and anger and ego competition and more joy and more love and more peace. And if you read the Gospels, you see that kind of unfold. And it's pretty remarkable because there's a lot of things happening in the Gospels, and one of them is just the fact that they don't like people who aren't their own kind. But at the end of the reading of the story, after three years, there was an abounding love for anyone and everyone. That was a transformation that took place with them. And so in the backdrop of what we just read in Scripture, there is a sense that what Jesus did to form his own community is now what he's doing to form this body of people called the church. And it is what he's doing to form you and I because maybe your common understanding is I come to church so that I can be saved and I'm just going to hope that, you know, one day when God burns it down, I'll be in heaven with him. I'd like to share with you the fact that it is much more than that. It's about what Jesus is doing in your life and mine in the here and now. And he's working through this set of circumstances to make us better people. And that really is the question that the elders are asking. What is God doing in these circumstances to make us the people that we need to be? And then there's that word, sincere. You ever been around somebody that's sincere? But perhaps dishonest? Have you ever been around somebody that's sincere and you're like, Wow, that person, they're pretty unfiltered and they don't have any pretension and they will tell you exactly where they are in their heart or their head. Well, that could be a form of sincerity for sure. Have you ever met a godly person that was truly sincere because bundled into their life was a deep and abiding connection with Jesus? That's the kind of sincerity I'm talking about. And 
The weird thing about sincerity, just that word alone, it's actually an old Latin word that um, is, is used to describe uh, something that we, we wouldn't really imagine. It, uh, it's, it's two parts, like so many words that, are a- that, that go way back. Sincere, you have the word sin, and you have the word seer, and you're like, oh, I know where you're going with that, Pastor. N- actually not, because it's Latin. And the Latin language wasn't really like what you would call a Christian language. So the word sincere, the word sin in Latin means without. Guess what the word seer means? What'd you say? Oh, you gave it away. Wax, our Latin expert. No, just all kidding aside, uh, she's right. Without wax. So when somebody is sincere, they're without wax. Did you know that? Can I get an amen, hallelujah, anything? That's awesome, isn't it? You're like, huh? He's lost his mind. Well, perhaps, but I would say this. If you looked at where they dug that one up, during the time of the Roman Empire, who had displaced the Greeks, one thing the the Romans liked about all the treasures that they were able to obtain from plundering the Greeks were all their awesome statues, all kinds of statues for all kinds of people and purposes. And it got to be sort of a status symbol to have a Greek statue if you had, if you were a Roman. And so these things would fetch a lot of money. Well, clever, not so sincere people would recognize the demand and realize that the supply was, in, 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 was deficient. And so they would collect up damaged and broken statues Mostly the damaged ones that had chips on them and defects and things like that from being handled. They would, without anybody being aware of them on the purchasing end, fill those spots in with wax. So you're thinking you can maybe brag to your friends, I just got a statue of Socrates, and it's awesome. Only to find out that... (coughs) Some pretty significant parts of that statue have been pieced back together with wax, and the wax is falling out. And you're pretty upset about the fact that you purchased something that had wax. I don't know what the Latin word for with, but let's say that um, you're a salesman, and you have these for sale, and you can assure the people that are purchasing them, these are sincere statues. They are without wax. No wax on, no wax off, just no wax. Just straight to the point. And if you recognize the value in that statement as we've drawn it into our lexicon, you realize that it basically means when you're talking to somebody, they're not covering up something they're not like hiding something so that you don't become aware of it which 
interestingly enough, is kind of what people do when they sell you things. I mean, I've, I've bought things off of Craigslist, and my wife can tell you that, and sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll tell Brittany, yeah, I got this off of Craigslist. But I don't always tell the whole story because I bought a few things off of Craigslist where clearly it had everything that the, that the seller said it had. But when I brought it home, there were also a few more things that he didn't tell me it had that diminished significantly the value of something. That guy wasn't totally sincere. Uh, and whatever I bought was not without wax. But when I take that to the personal level, I find that this actually is an important word in the description of the book of Acts because basically it said that people were transparent. Now, I'll just bore you a little bit. I do lunch with Leonard at, at noon on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I kind of covered this a little bit. And I named that, that particular lunch as I was talking about some of the material here as I'm working for uh, this message, why I like Mandy. I don't know where Mandy's at right now, but let's just assume that um, she's listening. Maybe it'll score me points. I mean, our anniversary was a couple of days ago, and uh, after 31 years, we still like each other. I figure that's a win, right? And yet, it's for all the same reasons that I liked her to begin with. When I first met Mandy, I, she just had a lot of qualities and a spirit about her that I said, you know, that's, I, I like that person. Got to know her, went out on some dates, and then a few months later, guess what? I go to her dorm, and she answers the door, and she has no makeup. She has no contacts, old glasses. Her hair's not done up. I'm going somewhere good with this, okay? So, and I thought, this is a true test. Because we know what makeup does, and unfortunately guys can't use it, but it does cover up blemishes, makes your eyes look bigger. It gives a presentation of something a little bit, I don't want to use the word deceptive, I'll just say enhancing. How's that for being positive? Okay. Um, so I don't alienate everybody, especially you guys online. <laughs> Click. So whenever... Uh, I saw her, there was just something that told me, you know what, this, I could, I could live with this person forever. But it wasn't just no makeup, it was the fact that there was a transparency there that said, um, uh, I can feel comfortable in my own skin around this person. I can, I, I can basically be in the presence of this person and not really feel judged. I can share things that I wouldn't share with anybody. And she not only seems okay with it, but discreet with it. Not like I do in a sermon. You know, I come and I tell you guys everything that's going on about everybody else except for me and my family. Just kidding. Uh, family members. But when you run into a person, well, to answer the question, why do I like Mandy? She's without wax. And I told her that. I said, I love you because you're without wax. And she's like, you got to do better than that. Um, so I explained to her what it meant, and then she was okay with it. 
But when you look at that word as it's applied in the English language to that part of the scripture, I think it does capture essentially what Jesus was trying to create, a community of people without wax. Because the fact of the matter is, those spots in all of us that we cover up are actually the very places that Jesus says, I need to redeem those areas. I need to heal those areas. I need the minute that you are realistic and candid with the Lord about those areas is the minute the Lord says, I can help you. I can grow. You ever known a kid that that didn't want to take responsibility for anything? And I, I'll just say I'm that kid, not alienating any kids in here. But it's sort of like it's everybody else's fault. But then you don't really start growing you're just sort of stuck in that attitude and then one day you wake up and you realize oh yeah i do got to own that and then all of a sudden all of a sudden it was like a switch clicked and that kid starts growing into an adult because they realize the world's a messy place other people are messy people and i'm one of them too and when you come to church a lot of people come to church with the notion that I just want to put on some wax because I don't want anybody to know that I can cry. I don't want anybody to know that I feel pain. I don't want anybody to know my scars. And I'll have to be honest with you, for good reason, because not everybody's trustworthy. You wouldn't want to share that with just anybody because they might leverage it back against you. But when Jesus showed how to be a person in community with other people. He was totally transparent. Didn't mean that he said everything that was on his mind all the time. But when he laughed, they knew it was the real deal. It wasn't just a laugh track. When he had pain, he shared things that were on his heart with his, with his people when he was dealing with the problems associated with the religious establishment. They were in on it. And the way he handled all of those circumstances that he faced in life was essentially signaling to the followers who would become their own community of people to follow, this is how you do it. This is how you do it in a real way. And the thing about Jesus is when he looked at each of those people that he called, he knew they had wax covering up significant parts of their being. And over time, in a spirit of love, because he spent time with them, doing things with them, their trust and confidence in him increased dramatically from the start to the end, to the point where they were changed because they trusted him and they wanted to be like him. Churches, I think, can get stuck, like that teenager, like myself, when they're not honest about the things they're covering up with wax. And I hope when we meet as elders, for example, we can do that. We can look at the example of Jesus and say, yeah, he's a safe place. 
we can be a safe place for each other. Because trust really is on the line whenever you're in a relationship with somebody and you have to be honest with them. Now the church is made up of all kinds of people and all of us have varying degrees of insecurities before we start trusting in the security of the one who keeps us and guards us and establishes us. And when he does, we're set free. In John 15, 15, he tells his disciples over a period of time, I called you to be servants. But because we've spent time together, we've grown together, we've gone through the whole range of emotions together, I can now call you friends. And it's very powerful to imagine that friend status wasn't something that was just an easy click online. Not to diminish that, but in this case, it is a way of saying that kind of friendship took some time. It took some testing and trusting. And eventually Jesus said, I can call them friends because they really have hearts that are drawn into into the things that I'm showing them. It speaks to them. I'm so thankful when I first came to church that I met a person and I met another person and I met another person that seemed very sincere, that seemed very caring. And had they not been sincere, had they been filled with all kinds of wax, covering up everything, I don't know if I'd have stayed. But there was something pretty special about these people. They genuinely cared. They were sincere. They were without wax in their caring. Not perfect, but definitely without wax. So the last thing I want to say is this. The Apostle Paul was dealing with a church that had a lot of wax. It was called Corinth. And if you ever read your, your, your Bibles in the New Testament, you'll find that there are actually two books called First and Second Corinthians. Not every church got two letters like that. And when scholars look at that letter, they'll say, and, and we could even read it and say, Paul wrote a lot of other letters to these guys, so clearly there's an exchange going on because there's a lot of problems happening here. And it has everything to do with coming to church, being pretentious, and projecting onto that environment, you are somebody that you're not. And then in the process, basically being very competitive and very ego-oriented and very win-lose, right-wrong, that sort of thing. And Paul just looked at that spirit that was alive in that church, and he said, no, you're, you're in form looking like Christians, but in your attitude, there's nothing that makes me glad about your insincerity. And he calls them out on it, and they did not like it. But over time... Because the relationship wasn't just an exchange of words, but it actually involved being a part of their world a number of times. He, he actually began to change the life of that church through his influence. And they became more sincere. But in the process of getting them there, he tells them a story from the Old Testament. It's a story about Moses, who when he uh, was leading the 
people of Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, they had a stop that stopover that they had to make at a place called Mount Sinai. And when they went there, Moses had to go up to the top of the mountain to receive the, the law so that they would know how to structure their relationships, you know, the, the rules, the policy for how they were to live. And when he came down, the scripture says that his face glowed, that there was something that was just radiant about him. You know, have you ever been to a wedding and somebody next to you said, oh my, that bride looks radiant. You ever seen that? Just, ra- just, just, it's just like, you know, supercharged with electricity. You ever hear him say the groom looks radiant? Most of the time, it's, no, the groom looks like he's in shock. And so I'm not going to go any farther than that other than to say, uh, you know what I mean. And Moses, he came down from the mountain and Paul references this story because it really is the Bible at the time. They didn't have the New Testament like we do. And he says, you know when Moses came down and his face was radiant? He said, we're not like Moses who had put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. That is the glory. But their minds were made dull for this, to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, when Moses read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now when Paul writes, there's a lot that he bundles into it, what he says. But let me just sort of break this down. So Moses, in that story that he's referencing, comes down from Mount Sinai, and he's radiant even more so than any bride you've ever seen. And you know what the people say? Wow. Wow, look at Moses. And you know what Moses kind of said to himself? I'm a celebrity. They are wowed by how I look. And he was radiating that until he woke up and the radiance started to fade and then the scripture says because of that he decided to put a veil over what was he doing what do you think he was doing he was trying to carry on the notion that he had the wow factor going on the it factor and as he's sort of propping that up gaining perhaps you know youtube hits off of it i don't know But there's some kind of like thing that he's created that he's got to sustain and is starting to go away and he's worried. And so he puts a veil on and it just keeps fading and fading and fading until I can only imagine his wife saying, Moses, take that dumb thing off. Honestly, it's over. And it's kind of nice because it was like going to bed at night with fireflies i'm sort of glad it's over and you can only imagine moses saying yeah i'm kind of glad too because that's a lot to have to try to keep up with and paul refers to that in an analogy about the old covenant and that sort of thing but where he's going with that imagery is to 
what that means for you and I. We gather as a church, and we'll get as far as we are willing in a spirit of humility and a spirit of openness and a spirit of not being judgmental. And there I say, in a spirit where we are trying to make this a safe space for other people. Come to the Lord. So here's what, what, what I think, if you are to take all those verses and break them down for us. This is what 13 through 16 says. Since we have the promise of God's love and acceptance through what Jesus has done for us, we can live with unveiled faces. You get the significance of what's being said here? Because Paul has to make it all like complicated and stuff. I remember Jason used to call me out for making everything so complicated and stuff. And I realized something. I'm not, I'm not really communicating what needs to be said. But that's what Paul's saying. Because of the love and acceptance of Jesus Christ for you and for me, for us, we found our safe space. And it's in him. And it is the only place where we can go and say the only thing that matters is him and us being with him in a spirit of humility. Why did Paul have to say that? Because everybody's coming to church and they're wearing masks. No, I mean, we're, I mean, literally, we're coming to church wearing masks. But you know what I mean. We're not wearing those kind of masks right he was saying basically you guys are going to be stuck until you until you claim that promise that Jesus loves you and he accepts you and his blood that was shed in the new covenant establishes that truth once and for all and it takes a while for that to soak into your gut where you wake up every day in the confidence of what that means in an unsafe and an insecure world doesn't make any sense other than it is a confidence in the Lord that he's with us always. When we gather, there's a lot of work that has to be done to make it that kind of a place. But the only place to begin, I think, is that covenantal relationship with him. And everything stems from that covenant onward. And I wanted to hopefully end this part of this two-part series with just a call to that relationship for each of you to be able to experience that because I don't know that you can until you consent to being a part of that covenant. Until then, you're not his in that sense. And that's why we ask people to confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. 
That's why we ask people to identify with his death, burial, and resurrection and baptism because it's a bold declaration that I am now that person that Jesus has made me into. I'm a new creation. And you, I, I just have to say this, you cannot get there by being a good person in and of itself. It, it, this is something that, that isn't about earning anything. It's about who you know. It's a who you know world. <laughs> I've told my kids that. It's, this world's kind of a who you know world. I mean, it's good to have a skill set, but really, you've got to know somebody. And this is the case here. The thing is, he's one of those people slash saviors that says, and I want to get to know you, each and every one of you, because you're the reason I came. Isn't that awesome? To know that is where his heart is at with you and I. And I just love it. And I just would love for as many people as possible to be able to step into that place. Just find your world changed. I'm going to end it right here, my part of it. If you want to make... Uh, Bring your life into that place. We want to use this moment to help that to happen. You can do that by coming forward now, by seeing me after church. But if God is prompting you, don't hesitate. It's his way of calling you like he did them. And our job really is to call you to that place. So I'm going to transition from there to communion right now. And as I do, I want to I just bow first and ask the Lord, be with us in that part of the process. Lord Jesus, as we gather for worship, to sing with sincere hearts, to hear the word in a spirit of humility and openness to being real with ourselves and other people, to claim the confident assurance that if we are in a covenant with you, we are established once and for all in that relationship. And you will never leave us and you'll never forsake us. You will never break that agreement. And in that covenant, we begin to see as you see, Lord. Lord Jesus, we are getting ready to receive a loaf and a cup in a form that is very different from what you established, but yet in its symbolism, very much the same. So, Father, when we take the loaf, help us to remember that your son's body was broken for us. Lord Jesus, as we drink of the juice, we are reminded of your blood poured out to cover the sins of many and to redeem us and to claim us so that no one can take us from you. We are in that safe space when we are in your covenant. So bless the loaf and the cup and help us to each ask. How is it, Lord, that I can be more sincere without wax in my relationship with you and the people around me that you call me to be with called your church? So bless the loaf and the cup as we take it together in Jesus' name.
this war I thought by now they'd fall But you have never failed me yet Waiting for change to come Knowing the battle's won For you have never failed me still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed me yet Yeah, I've seen you move, you move the mountain. 
promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness, faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. time together. Just pray for everybody as we go from here. Pray for blessings for everybody, but faith more than anything. No matter what comes, God, we know you're with us. You're always with us, so help us transform and become more like you every day. We praise you and love you. Don't forget to pick up your kids. They're downstairs.